listeners, welcome back to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast, the only podcast, not really, about two skeptics. The only podcast about conspiracies, paranormal, and the whole thing's bizarre. <laughs> Don't bother listening to any of the other ones, because we're the only game in town, baby. That's it. That's us. Listeners, I am your co-host, Arthur Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, everybody. Glad to see you again. Thanks for being here. Want to talk to you a bit about some things that I've been thinking. So how y'all doing? You having a good day? Cool. Glad you're here. Wow. Uh, Andy's charged up. He's fired up. He's ready to go. Oh, yeah. As always, listeners, uh, we're here on Mr. Bunker. We're trapped once again in the bunker. Here we are. Of the titular Mr. Bunkers. Bunker? Titular Bunker's Bunker. He, every week, he finds a way to frickin' dupe us and bring us down We're here. We're a bunch of nincompoops. We're dumb. We're dumb, 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 skulls. Dumb. Um, listeners, this week is no different. Uh, we are two skeptics. We're down here in the bunker, and we're forced to review some stuff. And uh, here we are, another week, another bunker trip. You know, we're back here uh, in the bunker again, listeners, but... Um, you know, we, sure, we've been abducted, sure, we're forced to podcast, mm-hmm. but we take this, uh, we take this very seriously. Very serious. And, you know, every week, every week, every single week when we get abducted, our goal is to give you, the listener, the entire enchilada. The, the whole, whole enchilada. enchilada. And in that spirit, we also like to share with you, um, you know, an important ingredient is how did we get here? This week, before we jump into our research, before we jump into our topic, before we jump into our discussion, we share with you how Mr. Bunker captured us and got us, forced us to be down here. And um, Andy, would you like to go first, or would you want you want to throw it to me? Oh, I would love to go first. I'm, go, I'm happy to go first. Andy, go right ahead, folks. We are you here, beautiful, beautiful boy. We are here in Chicago. Thank you, Art. We are here in Chicago. We're from Chicago. 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 This toddling town. Uh, Chicago. I'll show you around. <laughs> Art, uh, the weather's finally starting to turn here in Chicago. It's starting oh, to... Oh, when the weather is nice and the water is warm. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> mind. No. When the weather is nice and the water is warm. You can get on. You can get it. You can get it. You can get it. You know. Is that eleven? Is that eleven? Spoonful song. John Sebastian. Am I wrong? When the weather's fine and the moon. <laughs> get it? You got it. Anyway, yeah. sorry. <laughs> so we're looking for some hot fun in the summertime here in Chicago. Oh, and love hot fun. You know what's great about Chicago? One thing that's great about Chicago is our extensive network of city parks. Chicago. Why Art, why are you laughing? You don't agree? Uh, you just uh no, I do agree. Chicago parks are some of the greatest in the entire country. Um yeah, Chicago Chicago's made, known for its public parks. Chicago made a real commitment to the city um early in its history that uh about uh green spaces and preservation especially of of the lakeshore. Um and so Chicago has one of the uh most beautiful um lakefronts in probably all of the United States for a metropolitan area. It's one of the few things in my life that uh, keeps me from diving just deeper into the existential dread that is existence is uh, when I'm on the bus, I'm looking out at that beautiful lakeshore. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
It almost makes me forget that I'm sandwiched in between two sweaty, disgusting people who keep who won't uh, move out of my way, even though there's ample space to go sit down on the bus. You know what I'm saying? They just love rubbing up against you. Mm. Anyway, um, but Chicago's extensive network of of public parks is 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 quite uh, an asset to the city and uh, a great way to spend your time uh, while in the city. And um, at some city parks, they have what are known as splash pads. Uh, and these are water features that are built into the park where you can come by uh, the park and, uh, you know, run through the water or something to cool off. Oh, yeah. I uh, I have good memories of those as a yeah. child. Yeah. You, you're familiar. So, um, uh, you know. I feel like it never worked. Never mind. Well, they're off for a lot of the year because obviously it gets pretty cold, so you have to turn it off. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes they turn them on really late. But that's a whole other thing. I mean, uh, but you know, today it was uh, it was uh, a pretty nice day. The sun was shining, and you know what I thought? I thought, hey, I'm gonna head over to the park. I'm gonna get in that splash pad. You and all the children, me and all of my friends, and um. I am a father. It's okay. I know these children. Uh, um, so I go over to the splash pad um, and, you know, you, you got a little like button you hit to make the water come out. And I, I push that button. Water springs forth. Uh, cool, refreshing water. Feels great. Uh, and then I notice uh, that the pipe... You know, it's like there's, it's got this thing where there's like a big uh, tube and then there's a lot of little tubes mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, spray mm-hmm. the water out in different like ways. Yeah. Um, I noticed that uh, there's like this bulge in the tube and the it's tube. in the tube and it's sliding up. Okay. And then the bulge <laughs> goes into one of the smaller pipes and that pipe is like really it's a small. It's about to burst. It's it's. It looks like it's at capacity, and then the bulge just goes right to the edge, and then, boop, like a party popper, Mister Bunker shoots out oh of the little tube. God. He's got a net with weights, and he just boop, sinks down right on top of me. His his whole weight hits me on the dome of the skull, and I just go immediately unconscious. Jeez! And I wake up soaking wet. In the back of his windowless van. Oh my god! I thought that was sweat. No, well, that's why you're all okay, wet. Okay, partly. <laughs> Some of it's from the splash pad, though. Now the bulge, Andy. That was your nickname. <laughs> Wait, what are you gonna say? <laughs> you didn't say the bulge. Was that ever a nickname that you had? <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that was during my Spider-Man villain phase in high school. <laughs> I was the bulge, <laughs> Andy. I- I don't mean to make fun of you, but like I kind of feel like you do. Ah, uh, you know what am I gonna do? Uh, I feel like you brought this on yourself because you've been talking so much shit to him. <laughs> yeah, of course you. I mean, don't talk shit to him. You won't get slammed on the head. Yeah, by the bulge and trapped in a giant weighted net. I deserved. I deserved all the head trauma I suffered today. <laughs> ah, I mean, what's it doing? You know, you don't. What's you a little head trauma? Art. There's a few rules in life. You don't spit in the wind. You don't tug on Superman cape, Superman's cape. You don't uh you don't mess with the Lone Ranger. 
or whatever. You know, <laughs> that song. I didn't know any of those. I mean, I guess I understand that spitting at the wind, but you know that song. Ride. <laughs> that one? No. Ride. 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 Uh, head him up, move him out. Head him up, move him out. Raw hide, raw hide. Head him up, move him out. Head him up, move him out. Head him up, head him out. Head him up. Come on now, head him up. Raw hide. Um, I don't. I mean, Andy, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry. Rain and wind and weather, hell bent forever. Wishing my gal was by my side. That's right. You were wishing your gal was by your side when you mm. got captured. Yeah, I wish. I wish I hadn't been alone in that splash pad. <laughs> that might have been some protection. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm Andy. Here. I'm sorry. Maybe I think you need you and Bunker need to work something out. Mm, maybe we'll have a chat. He doesn't usually like to talk to us very much. Occasionally, mm. though, he will. Me especially. Uh, well, but you I challenge a, him a lot. I have a grading personality. You challenge him. Yeah, you're like a giant cheese grater. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of cheese graters, Andy. Oh, is this going to be how you got here? Yeah. Um, Same. I decided to get a tasty little smor- morsel, tasty little bite to eat. Mm, and okay. I thought, what, what better than some king crab legs? Oh, king crab. Who doesn't love a good king crab dipped <laughs> in butter sauce? Chicago's native king crabs. Chicago, known for its king crabs. By local. And nothing else. Yeah. Um, so I went on down to a little place, you might have heard of it, called Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a great Chicago chain. Uh, yeah, an institution in this city. Um, I noticed the sign was a little muffled. It said, uh, Moe's Blab Flack. Um, mm. which I thought that was weird. That's not Joe's Crab Shack then. Well, I thought maybe they were doing some renovation. Something happened to the Mo's sign. Moe's Blabflack? <laughs> Blabflack? Yeah. It's not even, cl- <laughs> not even very close to Crab Shack. In retrospect, you'll see. Yeah. You know, I have a feeling I know where this maybe is Maybe I should have learned my lesson. <laughs> and so I was there and I, uh, there wasn't anyone else in the restaurant. Which was probably another yeah. red flag, but I just, I I was just thought to myself, oh, I gotta have some crab legs and some butter sauce. Gotta have some butter sauce, folks. You don't know this, but I know this because I know art. Art says that at least once every couple of days. Yeah, I say that. Um, I say that any any time. I say that a lot. I'll like be paying for the, I'll be paying for something, and I'll be like, they'll be like, would you want a receipt? And I'll be like, no, but I want some of that butter sauce. And then they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, butter sauce. Eventually I'll get kicked out. Yeah, um, as it should be. <clears throat> so I go in and I uh, I sit down and um, I don't, you know, I order. Um, And there wasn't, it wasn't a waiter. It was like one of those chilies type thing where you just kind of put your order into a little kiosk. Mm-hmm. I ordered some king crab legs with the butter sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The crab legs appear on a conveyor belt type thing. Oh. Which was very strange, but I just was so focused on the crab legs. And I thought, Andy, I got to tell you, these king crab legs, more like Leviathan legs. 
they were, were enormous? Enormous. An enormous king crab comes out on a plate. The whole crab. The whole crab. Oh. And I'm like, whoa, I'm going to need a bigger pair of uh, crab pliers. Yeah. And I'm going to need more butter sauce. Crab crackers. Crab crackers. Crab crusher. Yeah, I've been called that a t- t- time in my life. Mm-hmm. There goes that crab cracker. There's crab cracker. Uncle Crab Cracker. Oh, Uncle Crab Cracker. <laughs> my favorite band. Um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, all of a sudden the, the crab starts twitching and wouldn't you know it. Oh, no. It's fucking bunker. Wow. And he he wrestles me to the ground in his giant crab suit. Did like he pinch some, you? Yeah, he pinched me on my butt. Oh, God. <laughs> like some kind of uh, Like some kind of Godzilla monster. Oh, no. B-movie horror monster. He oh, no. wrestles me to the ground and covers me in butter sauce. Oh, no. And so there must have been something in the butter sauce, butter sauce, um, because it made me very sleepy. Chloroform? Probably. Wait, was it chamomile? Did he chamomile you two weeks in a row? <laughs> Could have been that damn chamomile. I mean, maybe he ordered a big stockpile You're of chamomile too tea. too susceptible to chamomile. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I get real <laughs> sleepy. Um, that's why I'm here, and that's why I smell like butter. Well... Uh, being an enormous pig, I personally like the fact that you smell like butter. <laughs> so it works out. Yeah. Everything works out. Andy. I'm wet and you smell like butter. We're both happy. Isn't it fitting, Andy, that you're all wet and I went to go get some crab legs and both of those have to do with what? The sea, Andy. Oh. That's right. The ocean. Yeah, it does. Now that you mentioned it. And that relates to our topic today, doesn't it? Sure it sure does. Andy, today we're discussing the legend of Atlantis. Atlantis, and not just the resort in the Bahamas. <laughs> Which I've been to. I thought it was fun. Uh, a little we're... overpriced, but fun. Oh, wow. There's the real conspiracy. Why does it cost so dang much? Yeah. Um, folks, today we're discussing the lost civilization That's right. of Atlantis. That's right. We're going to uncover the uh, Greek legend that spawned this uh this idea that there is mm-hmm. a lost city under mm-hmm. the sea mm-hmm. um and we're going to uncover what happened to it we're going to talk about it um we're gonna we're gonna give you the facts we're gonna wrap it up in a discussion tortilla and smother it in verdict sauce so listeners um this is your submarine co-captains first mate Dive, 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 Andy. Diver down. Diver down. We're going deep under the water to uncover all the secrets and give you and prepare you a nice shore lunch snack of enchiladas (laughs) (laughs) on this episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Right now, the lost city of Atlantis. There's whales. Under the sea, under the sea, darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Those are, of course, 
the iconic words sung by Sebastian the Crab in the hit Disney animated film, The Little Mermaid. But dear, sweet, gentle listeners, don't be fooled by Sebastian's confident delivery and engaging Calypso beat. It's not all wet fun under the sea. In fact, for some, under the sea means certain death. This was certainly the case for the inhabitants of Atlantis, an island nation referred to by Plato in his Socratic dialogues, Timaeus and Critias. Beautiful, Andy. Um, that's right. And Andy, you know, if there's one thing I love, it's being shirtless inside a highway restroom area. Yep. Bathroom. Yep. Um, but if there's two things I love, the second thing is definitely the writings of Plato. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know this for sure. So it should come to come come as no surprise to you, listeners, that I shall now relate in brief Plato's Atlantis. <clears throat> when the world was formed, the gods divided it amongst themselves. Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea, was given the area containing Atlantis, a series of concentric islands filled with riches, resources, and exotic rare wildlife. Poseidon fell in love with a human woman from Atlantis, Cleito. And they did it. Sexually hardcore. In as many positions as you can imagine. Cowgirl. Reverse cowgirl. The perfumed garden. You name it, they did it. And they did it about as many times as they could before Cleito had to go to nursing school. Wait, 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 wait. Is there a problem, Andy? Plato wrote this? It's mostly Plato's writing. You know, oh. I mean, although some of the story was adapted from my Plato erotic fan fiction called uh, Plato's Repubed Dick. <laughs> what? You don't read my, uh, you don't read my Plato's Angel Fire? Plato's Repubed Dick? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Available anywhere fine books are sold. And by that, I mean my basement. Uh, <laughs> my, oh, I'm boy. the hard drive of my computer. Oh, boy. Anyway, okay. Poseidon and Plato had 10 children together. Five sets of twins, all boys. Whew, what a batting average. That's, hey, you know, he's a god. The oldest son, Atlas, was given control of the islands, hence the name Atlantis. Oh. Atlantis was a luscious, voluptuous place, brimming with resources and wealth. The Atlanteans had it great, but eventually, you know, they wanted more. Uh, they decided to set their navy to sail to conquer the Mediterranean. Battle hard. Battle hard. Okay. Atlantean ships blasted loads of seamen on the shores of many a nation. All right. But one nation blocked the Atlantean penetration. Okay. Those plucky little Athens. That's right, listeners. The little nation that could that could send the Atlanteans back on sails of shame when the Atlanteans uh, return to their island paradise, they find out that the gods had a meeting and were quite effing pissed that the Atlanteans had turned so sinful. Mighty king of gods and famously buff, glistening, hogged out deity Zeus. Okay. I'm adapting some from my, right. from my, yeah. from my writings, Andy. Yeah. Okay. He sent earthquakes over the course of one day and one night, which sank Atlantis under the sea. Better down where it's wetter? Mm, not for the Atlanteans, Andy. Now, Art... You love the writings of Plato. I do. Almost as much as you love being shirtless in artisan bakeries. Nah, guilty as charged. So I know you'll know this. 
In case any of our listeners don't, though, allow me to share this tidbit. In Timaeus, the story of Atlantis is shared by Critias, not the titular Timaeus. Critias says he heard the story from his grandfather, who heard it from Critias' great-grandfather, who heard it from Solon, the Athenian statesman and reformer. Mm. After enacting his famous reforms in Athens, Solon gave up his power and left Athens for a while so he wouldn't be pressured to repeal any of his laws. Now, while away from Athens, Solon traveled to Egypt, and according to Critias, via the writings, the writings of Plato, of course, Solon visited the temple of Neith, an Egyptian goddess of creation, war, and hunting, where the priests related to him the story of Atlantis. So we now know the tale of Atlantis and the origin story of the origin story. So why are we talking about any of this, though? Well, Andy, and um, I'm going to need your help with some of these names coming up, but uh, <laughs> since appearing in Plato's writing, Atlantis is a story that uh, just doesn't seem to want to go away, even though it sank, just keeps bubbling back up. Mm. That's the, a thing that can happen. The Neoplatonic philosopher Zodocus. Yeah. wrote an epic poem based on Atlantis in the 3rd century CE. Atlantis experienced a bit of a revival, you know, during the European Renaissance as Western civilization began rediscovering the, the works of Greek philosophers. Um, Renaissance writers really began to imagine Atlantis as a utopian, even a fruitopian oh. society. Um. Then, in 1882, Ignatius Loyola Donnelly, the former Minnesota congressman, published Atlantis, the Antediluvian World. I got it? Ah, that was really good. <laughs> Look at me. Donnelly's book sought to prove that Atlantis was once a full-on continent in the Atlantic Ocean, opposite of the Mediterranean Sea. By the time the ancient peoples were writing about Atlantis, the only remaining part of the continent was an island. Donnelly further hypothesized that the inhabitants of Atlantis were the first people on Earth to make the transition from barbarism to civilization, and that emigrants from Atlantis sailed all over the world, bringing civilization to the human populations already in those areas. With them, they brought their alphabet on which Donnelly says the Phoenician alphabet was modeled. The Phoenician alphabet was then adopted and modified by many peoples and, and forms the basis of a number of alphabets that either were predecessors of or are the, they themselves uh, modern alphabets still in use today. Donnelly says further that the oldest Atlantean colony is probably Egypt, whose society was meant to mirror that of Atlantis. Speaking of Egypt, Andy, Donnelly, Egypt, Andy, <laughs> Egypt, Andy, um, that's my, my pharaoh, my counterpart. <laughs> Speaking of Egypt, Donnelly claims that the Egyptian and Peruvian religions are based on the true Atlantean religion, worship of the sun hmm. and art. While we're on the topic of ancient religions, Donnelly's book also says that the gods of ancient religions and mythologies were really just the notable people of Atlantis, like the kings, the queens, and the heroes. Donnelly imagined Atlantis as a true paradise. In fact, 
He imagined it was the source of inspiration for the stories of other prehistoric paradises in religious or mythological traditions, such as the Norse mythological Asgard or the Judeo-Christian biblical Garden of Eden. Donnelly claims that Atlantis was destroyed in massive flooding brought on by an enormous comet hitting the Earth. Hmm. Survivors of the Atlantis disaster then rafted to other parts of the globe and shared their tales. These stories, according to Donnelly, became the basis of the Great Flood or deluge uh, traditions that exist in so many cultures, such as the biblical flood of Noah, as an example. These are deluge stories. They are the deluge's events that have happened in human (laughs) history. Um, Anyway, uh, in in these stories of paradise and disaster, Donnelly saw a historical memory shared by all people globally being adapted by the different cultures of the people sharing the story. Donnelly uh, also authored a companion book to Atlantis, the antediluvian world, the pretty honestly epically named Ragnarok, the age of fire and gravel. It's like which, a dragon force. Uh, yeah. It's either yeah that, or it could be my, like my paving business. <laughs> Ragnarok, <laughs> the business of fire and gravel will come and pave your, uh, your parking I love lot. it. Uh, anyway, in Ragnarok, Donnelly claimed that after the comet disaster, the advanced people of Earth had to take shelter from the devastation by living in caves. While living in caves, these people forgot everything they learned about art and music and engineering, setting human civilization back who knows how many years. Uh, Listeners, in the interest of giving you the whole enchilada, which is what we always set out to do, Mm -hmm. we should mention that Donnelly is not well thought of in mainstream academic circles. (laughs) He's pretty much considered a crank who likes to crank and his work. Oh, wait, that's me. He's just considered a crank. Yeah. And his work has been described as pseudoscience or pseudo history. His work has been influential in occult circles and with other practitioners of pseudoscience and pseudo history. But despite this mainstream criticism, was Donnelly on to something? Hmm. Is it possible that Atlantis was a real erotic place on Earth? Well, art? Some people sure think so. First, let me give you the mainstream history lowdown on Atlantis. Basically, most scholars agree that the Atlantis in Plato's writing was a work of fiction. They see Atlantis as an allegory on the dangers of hubris. Timaeus starts with a recap of what attributes an ideal state possesses. Then, Socrates says that the ideal state sounds pretty cool, And he sure would love to hear a story about that ideal state interacting with other states. (laughs) And listeners, Critias, uh, Critias or Critias? Critias. Critias uh, eagerly obliges by sharing the story of Atlantis's attempt to conquer the Mediterranean and and Athens Athens stunning victory and and the destruction of Atlantis at the large, strong, muscular hands of Zeus. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyway, sorry. Uh, When we put the story in a historical and literary context though plato is essentially telling the reader the story of how an ideally organized state athens can prevail against a seemingly overwhelming opponent atlantis atlantis represents a state that soared to great heights and achieved much much but at its core was subject to corruption by its own hubris athens meanwhile represents a state that stayed humble untouched by corruption so basically 
Plato manufactured Atlantis to serve as a literary device. At least that's the overall scholarly opinion. It may be possible, though, that Plato based the story of Atlantis on some events that actually happened. So what you're telling me, Andy, is that Atlantis is kind of like Plato's own erotic fan fiction, right? Um, well, I mean, it's not exactly, I mean, it's not exactly erotic. <laughs> well, then where did my boner come from? Andy? All right, moving on. <laughs> Listeners, there is much speculation over the actual factual historical locale that could be the inspiration for Plato's Atlantis. Let's run down some of the prime suspects, shall we? Most people place Atlantis somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. This is because in Plato's writing, Atlantis is described as being beyond the Pillars of Hercules. Right. Most people interpret the Pillars of Hercules as being the sides of the Strait of Gibraltar, so the Iberian Peninsula and Northern Africa. Uh, therefore, uh, from Greece's perspective, anything beyond, that is, to the west of, the Strait of Gibraltar would be beyond the Pillars of Hercules. The Canary Islands and the Madeira Islands have both been named as possible locations of Atlantis, but this has been discredited by geologists who say that these island chains have been steadily rising over the last four million years. Some people say that the Pillars of Hercules may not necessarily mean the Strait of Gibraltar. Um, some, some place the pillars in the Mediterranean Sea and believe that the Atlantis myth could be a reference to the enormous throbbing eruption of the Thera volcano on the island we now know of as Santorini. Ooh, how nice. Uh, the Thera eruption was one of the largest volcanic events in recorded history, Andy. Thera sprayed load after load of thick magma and ash into the atmosphere, causing massive destruction on the island and in the wider region. The eruption was accompanied by earthquakes and possibly led to tsunamis. Still, uh, others place the location of Atlantis elsewhere. Some have suggested European locales that were either completely flooded or otherwise destroyed by tsunamis. Some suggest that Atlantis was on Antarctica, which these theorists suggest used to be further north than it is today. When the continent shifted south, Atlantis became buried under the ice. Still, others have suggested Caribbean locations. There's even a hypothesis that Atlantis disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. But wait, there's more. Some have suggested even that Atlantis may have been located somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. The bottom line here is, if Atlantis was real, we sure don't know where it was. Now, uh, Andy, a lot of these locations have been somewhat debunked or otherwise discredited by scientists what if i told you though that science now says that the sinking of an island might be possible i'd say that sounds like an important ingredient in this week's enchilada and you should most definitely share it with our listeners well andy and the listeners science now says just that geologist patrick nunn investigated a story told in the Solomon Islands that tells of an island that was completely submerged by the sea. Uh, Nunn's research shows that the story probably refers to a tsunami chain. Uh, that's right, listeners. Tsunamis can run train now. All right. <laughs> Nunn notes, though, that tsunamis alone can't sink islands, especially those that are high above the sea level. Tsunamis can devastate coastal cities, even completely wiping some out, but not entire islands. 
When none, what none finds is that the island in the story was likely sitting on a uh, steep underwater slope, right? So an earthquake on the seafloor rattled the foundations of the island and it slipped from the shelf, becoming completely submerged in the water and generating a tsunami train in the process. Mm-mm, that's some tasty information. Oh, yeah. It? So it's at least possible that a disaster like Atlantis could actually occur. Was Atlantis just a myth? Was it just concocted by Plato to make a point? Or is there more to the story? If there were real Atlanteans, were they really possessed of a highly advanced civilization? If so, where was Atlantis located and can we ever unlock the secrets that were buried at sea? While we ponder these questions, let's consider another song about underwater life as sung by Homer Simpson. Under the sea, under the sea, there'll be no accusations, just friendly crustaceans under the sea. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Art and Andy. Hey, listeners. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. So if you feel so inclined, feel free to email us at mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Send us your, your feedback. Send us comments. Send us questions. Send us stories about... Send us conspiracy theories that you want us to um, talk about on the show. Right, Andy? Yeah, right. Um, if you don't like email, hit us up on Twitter at Mr. Bunker Pod. That's right. Tweet at us. Tweet us your live reactions to the podcast as you That's, listen to it. Yeah. Tweet us your personal feelings about anything. Really? Uh, or anything that's covered in the podcast. Uh, that's true. Tweet at us uh, photos of your last vacation. Tweet at us <laughs> whatever you feel like. We'd love to interact with you. We love interaction. And speaking of which, if you're in, you've been enjoying the show, uh, we truly appreciate it. Thank and you Mr. for listening. Bunker truly appreciates it. If you feel so inclined, and I know a lot of podcasts say this, but it truly does help us out, give us a review. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Even if you hate it. Even if you hate it. I mean, preferably you'll like it, but <laughs> I mean, fair is fair. If fair you hate is, it, you hate it. And right. I'm not going to judge your reaction to that. <laughs> but especially, I mean, if you forget to rate it and you hate it, that's okay. You don't have to rate it if you hate it. But if you love it, rate it. Rate we would, it. That would be great. <laughs> it would be great. It truly helps us out. And you know what? Let's not take up any more of your time. Let's get back in all that hard-hitting action on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Thanks, listeners. Bye-bye. Hello, listeners. Why there? Back. Hey. 
Thanks for sticking with us. I hope you enjoyed our excursion into the lost civilization of Atlantis. Back in time and way out to sea over there in the Mediterranean. Um, we hope you had a fun excursion with us. I know I did. I love the beach. Um, Andy, when I was a child, mm-hmm. uh, I was quoted once and my, you know, my family finds this quote so funny. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing, you have a child, the, the funny little things that your kid oh, says. And they you, say the darndest things. Some would say they say the darndest things. Um, I once said that water is my destiny. Wow. I loved swimming. I loved being in the water. I loved playing with the hose and doing um, wet t-shirt contests as a child. Right. And winning them. Uh, <laughs> I didn't just love doing I them. I loved winning them. You know... <laughs> I was in the U18 <laughs> wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. There, there was that brief stint where um, some government workers took me away from my house, and I don't remember much of that. But anyway, you probably got MK Ultra. <laughs> no, um, I loved water, and so um, I don't know why I brought that up. I just think it's fun. <laughs> this is a very water-filled episode. This is a real Kevin Costner. Type I would of be. Um, I think I would be at home in Atlantis. Yeah. Well, um, you what know. Do you think? You know, our Atlantis um, was uh, was a place amongst the sea. Although, you know, they say that it was quite large. Uh, supposedly, uh, it was the the size of both um, uh, Africa and Asia Minor combined. That's um, that's a huge continent. That's really fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, there were there were humans there, but then uh, you know, Plato or uh, Plato, sorry. Uh, Poseidon and Cleido had uh, their children there that became in charge. Um, so it was ruled by demigods. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the images that I always see rendered of Atlantis show it as like this weird ring city. Yes. This ring civilization that's like made of consent, like like an onion. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the basic construction of it is that it's like concentric ringed islands and right. it's like alternating land and water. That doesn't seem like the best way to build. I'm no fucking uh, architect or some shit or city planner. It doesn't seem like it would be the smartest way to build a city. Well, I mean, cause you got to think about traffic, like the getting to that outer ring. That's a fucking nightmare. When, I mean, there's only one path to take. Yeah. When you Poseidon though, you don't care. Yeah, you're Poseidon. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, well, Andy, I don't know. Blanket statements. What do you think? What are we thinking about Atlantis? Um, you know, I real, think, not real. You know, here's here's what's interesting is that I I think that there's probably there probably is some historical inspiration here. Probably. Um, you know, uh, Athens obviously was real. Athens was real. It is a wonderful city in Georgia that Plato based his <laughs> writings on. Plato loved Athens, Georgia. Uh, big booster for the University of Georgia. Go dogs! Go dogs! When you beat the bulldog, you're gonna feel the bulldog bite. <laughs> resident, uh, resident dogs fan, Art Stone. Yeah, I'm more of a Sun Belt Conference fan. I yeah. like the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Raging Cajuns. The Georgia State. They're Bulldogs too, aren't they? 
Mm. Troy Trojans? Probably. There's some... The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers? Yeah. What the fuck is a Hilltopper? You ever seen their mascot? Yeah, it's that big red thing. It looks like a big Clifford's penis. <laughs> yeah, Clifford the dog's ding-dong. Anyway, <laughs> Clifford I'm sorry. the ding-dong. <laughs> I'm getting off track here talking Are about you? <laughs> Clifford. Am I? Athens was a real place in Greece that... Let's talk a- about how the Western Kentucky... Mastop, it, mascot intersects with Atlanta. Let's talk about the very well-known collegiate Sunbelt Conference of NCAA football. <laughs> really the Atlantis of uh, NCAA. People always sleep on the Sunbelt, and they always just want to talk about the SEC. <laughs> but big, you know what? Your pants fall down if you don't wear a Sunbelt. <laughs> you don't put on a Sunbelt, you're going to get burnt. Um. Okay, yeah. Athens was real, obviously. Athens place. was real. Um, you know, there's been so much speculation in the the positioning of Atlantis based on the pillars of Hercules. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it might be useful to say what what's the origin of that terminology. Uh, so there's a myth about Hercules um, and there's like these oh, however many, you know, one of the things about him is like he has to perform so many tasks mm-hmm. uh, as part of his like in one of the things about him, one of the stories about him. And um one of the tasks um, is like he has to gather sheep or something, I think, is what it is. And the furthest sheep that he has to gather is uh, like as far as any person can go, like the edge of the known world, basically. And so where that point is, is what they call the the pillars of Hercules. And they call it that. It's not so much that um, it's not so much that there's nothing beyond there. It's that nobody knows what's beyond there. So it's the unknown. Hmm. So. Um, you know, depending on what you think about that, does it make sense to say is one of those things like is is Gibraltar makes sense to people, I think, because it's like there's pillars. But um, some people say that uh, the pillars of Hercules was actually a reference to um, like an island in the Greek island chain somewhere that was inside the Mediterranean. Wow. So that means he would have he's. He fucking sucks. Couldn't even go outside of Greece. Yeah, he didn't go very far. Jeez. Um, Dude's a fucking demigod. Yeah. But nobody really knows where the pillars of Hercules are supposed to be. I mean, I think it's pretty much like, you know, like most people say, it's 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 the Strait of Gibraltar. Right. I think Atlantis could have easily been based off of another civilization. Could have easily been based off the Egyptians, right? Um, I don't know that it would be, though, because think? the Egyptians would have been known to the Greeks, right? Like they wouldn't, there wouldn't have been any mystery about it. Uh, one, one um, good, yeah, but one, as a literary device. Well, but they would have probably used. I mean, they could have maybe used some of the features of Egyptian culture, but yes, uh, worship the sun. Yeah, well, that uh, that was more of a Donnelly thing than oh, a Plato right. thing. Um, you know, in Plato's uh, example, it uh, it doesn't really. You know, it just basically says that Atlantis is like a match for on par with Athens in terms of its like, um, how shall I say, observance of religious uh, ceremony and stuff. So, you know, theoretically in Plato's writing that Atlanteans were um, following the same Greek pantheon. Gotcha. Um. Uh, you know, Andy, unfortunately, I think you you were a little let down by this week's um, research and this topic, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, you know, bunker through this out here and I thought, 
That sounds interesting. That sounds fucking cool. Like the that. lost civilization of Atlantis. Who wouldn't? But you know what? It just is kind of like. Yeah, there's just really not much there. There's not a lot of meat. There's not a lot of meat on this bone. Yeah. Uh, this fish uh, has been picked dry. Yeah. Picked dry. This fish. Picked, picked dry. clean. Picked dry. <laughs> another classic another classic art cliche. This fish has been picked dry. I got him, baby. I'm full of them. Uh, <laughs> and you're not just breathing me full of hot air. <laughs> okay. From hot. our hit, hit breatharian episode last week number one on the charts number one on the charts here's uh mr bunker with brother um yeah i mean i you know there's no evidence there's no uh well the the problem is that most most scholars say that plato was really just using this as an allegory kind of makes a lot of that was kind of his thing wasn't it yeah. Like, there weren't actually people trapped in caves. It wasn't like a real cave. It's kind of. It's in the title. It's the allegory yeah. of the cave. Plato was kind of into that. Yeah. and I mean, uh, This is the kind of stuff that got Plato rock hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Writing allegories, talking about the Socratic method, fucking like, doing all that shit. I, and you know, um, Plato's one of these people who, who had a distrust uh, generally of like fiction because he thought it was sort of misleading. Mm-hmm. And so like, this is, almost proves his point <laughs> that like when you, <laughs> when you write fiction, like it can be misconstrued in a lot of ways. He's up there in fucking, uh, Olympia. Yeah. The, or wherever the, the Greeks called, uh, heaven. It was Olympia, right? Mount Olympus. You mean? Yeah. Where did, like, where, where did all the gods live? They lived like up in the Mount cl- Olympus. Yeah. And he's down there. He's like, I fucking told them. I told them, see, because he's pissed that everyone, yeah, people think it was real. <laughs> yeah, that was the bit. That was the bit. That was the bit. Um, that was the bit. Yeah, I get it. You get it, dude. Um, get it. but you know, some a lot of the the scholarly work on it now seems to say that probably there's some historical truth to it because it would have lent credence to the story, so it would have had a bigger impact. Uh, so. Like Solon obviously was a real person. His journey to Egypt, that's uh, supposedly a real thing. I mean, obviously these things are harder to to verify, you know, ultimately, but that's supposedly a real thing. You know, he enacted these reforms in Athens and then he left Athens for like a decade or something um, so that he wouldn't be pressured to repeal any of his laws. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah. Um, um, so he traveled to Egypt. So there's this plausibility factor that it could have been actually something that Solon heard. So it would have given it this uh, legitimacy at the time that people, you know, so Plato might've just constructed that whole thing, you know, just to say like, here's my point, but you can tell that I'm making a good point because it's supported by this other stuff that you, that is easy for you to believe and respect. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. I mean, that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, um, I don't think you're going to find any shocking revelations at the end of today's episode with our reviews. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that like it could have easily maybe been a real place, a very small island or some kind of small civilization that does it. Ha- it doesn't have to be some island civilization either. It could have just been like a, a civilization that existed, some kind of tribe or colony yeah. that was wiped out somehow. 
and through their own hubris. You know, they in 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 the Socratic dialogues, they refer to this as being like uh what is it, like nine thousand years before the time of the writing. Right. So it's like it's supposed to be in the distant past. Um and uh there are you know, throughout history, like there was some speculation in Plato's time that Atlantis might have been a real place. And there's some arguments for it, like like Aristotle, some of his stuff kind of discusses that. Um, but I don't think it was like widespread that Atlantis was real. Most people kind of accepted that it was just a literary thing, like a device that he was yeah. using. It was an allegory. And in the in the Renaissance writers, it doesn't seem like most people believe that this was that it was real. They were writing like utopia as a fiction, you know? Yeah. They didn't believe in a utopia, but they sort of romanticized uh, Atlantis as being like a lost uh, or a fruitopia. Utopia. Yeah, a lost fruitopia. Like when your fruitopia falls out of your hand and that plastic bottle rolls underneath the fruitopia machine. A lost fr- fruitopia lost. <laughs> that classic fruitopia machine. That's did, that, did everyone else have those in their high schools like mine did? What? We had a fruitopia machine. You had a dispensable yogurt drink machine. No, fruitopia is not yogurt. What? No. What? No. What's a fruitopia? You've never had fruitopia? What the fuck? It's a fru- I thought it was that Danimals thing. Oh no, no that it's was a fruit Danimals. drink. Yeah, you just said a different company altogether. <laughs> it was a it was a it was a brand of uh fruit based <laughs> beverages fruitopia that was distributed lube. by Coke. I've never seen this. You've never seen fruitopia? Maybe I have. Oh, you know what? Yeah, now I'm I'm looking at them in the plastic bottles. There was uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't have these. No. These these went away, Andy. Yeah, probably. I you those know. Those are good though. Yeah, in 1994 and targeted at teens and young adults makes sense. Yeah. Um the rise and fall of Fruitopia, the trippiest beverage of the 90s. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, listeners out there, if you were a Fruitopia fan, and you had one in your high school. Tweeted us at Mr. Bunker Pod with the hashtag. Tell us your favorite flavor. Tell us your favorite flavor and tweeted us the hashtag. Fruitopia lost. Okay, Art doesn't like it. Uh, it's it's good. Let's throw another one. It's out good. There. It's good. Fruitopia lost. <laughs> God damn it! Oh boy, Andy. Um. Okay, now I remember what Fruitopia is. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, but then, but then, Art in the nineteenth century—that's when Donnelly writes *Atlantis: The Antediluvian World*. Okay, so, and um, yeah, Donnelly, Tolkien also wrote *Middle Earth*. Doesn't mean that it's fucking real. <laughs> Donnelly's an interesting character, though. Yeah, um, you know, he was a Minnesota congressman. Um, he was a lieutenant governor in Minnesota. He was a state senator, state representative. He was active in um, the uh, populist labor movement of the late 19th century. Huh. Um, uh, he was an early uh, advocate for women's suffrage. Huh. Um, yeah. So he's a weird, uh, weird character. And. Uh, avid uh, pseudo historian uh, described a lot as like an amateur scholar and uh, he wrote this book on Atlantis these two books on Atlantis um, he was like uh, 
a, a, a like something that they call is like a catastrophist. So somebody who like believes in these like catastrophic events happening on Earth uh, that are like shaping history. He's real. It, it turns him on real hard. Right. That's yeah. He's like a furry, oh. but for like like. Uh, catastrophic events. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the idea of a big, strong, thick meteor. Uh, just, just absolutely hulking just meteor. hulking meteor crushing my wife while I watch from a closet. <laughs> yeah, cuckolded by a comet is was his third... Cucked by a comet. <laughs> <laughs> that was his follow-up book to Ragnarok. Oh my God. Cucked by a comet. Uh, listeners, anything you tweet at us about this episode that doesn't have to do with Fruitopia, use the hashtag cucked by a comet. <laughs> cucked by a comet. Um, um, but yeah, he was kind of the guy that that uh, originated this uh, this hypothesis of of Atlantis being uh, this super advanced civilization that seeded the civilizations of all the rest of the world. Um, they were. Um, you know, and it, this this was uh, picked up uh, by uh, Helena Blavatsky, the co-founder of the Theosophist Society, uh, the famous occultist. Hmm. Um, and so, the, what? Yeah, Donnelly's Donnelly's view has uh, book has a lot more um, a lot more fans in the esoteric community than it does in mainstream uh, science. Your um, listeners don't know this; they might know this. Um, but I know this because I know you. You um, you were really into the occult for a while, not believing in it, just studying it because you were interested. I was interested in it. I, I learned a few things. I mean, there's a lot to learn. There's but. so much. It's a huge topic, and it is one, listeners, that we want to cover in an episode. But hey, if, Mr. if you Bunker really want to see us cover it, you got to tweet at us. Yeah. Because Mr. Bunker loves getting feedback, and he loves hearing from the listeners. And, he, you know, and he... he uh, I think if if you told him you want to see us discuss it, he would make us discuss he's, it. He's he's in this bunker all alone. He yeah. loves to hear from other humans. So Andy, why do, why the were internet. the why were these occultists so into the idea of Atlantis? Because I think when you think of the idea of Atlantis, you think of this weird utopia. You think of sea monkey people. You think of uh, mermaids. <laughs> you think of um, yeah. Greek looking people living in uh, concentric circle islands. I don't really know why it, why uh, the occult. Because when you think of the occult, you think of like weird, you know, drug uh, junkie uh, freaks like Aleister Crowley and selling your soul to the devil and pentagrams. You know, you don't Mm. really think of Atlantis. I mean, um, like Helena Blavatsky's thing, like the Theosophists, it's all about the like secret knowledge. Okay, so they had some kind of secret knowledge. So I think, so I think that the Atlantis myth, uh, being like a real place, um, you know, these occultists are, are are sometimes they're people who who think that the the natural, like the accepted version of events, doesn't like add up exactly, and they think that there's something else going on in the background that we're not being told, and so I think this is one of those things that you know people feel like Atlantis. Um, maybe Atlantis was a thing that existed and like there was secret knowledge that was hidden away that we're just not, we're not being allowed to access that could like, do we know anything about the secret knowledge? So they obviously didn't fucking do a good job. So secret knowledge didn't help them survive. Well, yeah. And that's, that's one thing to consider. Um, here's something else to chew on. Uh, there, there was a guy, uh, born in Kentucky, uh, named Edgar Casey, 
who um uh what was the issue i think that he had like a hearing problem he was like deaf as a boy or he lost his hearing at some point and he saw sure a played a uh, mean pinball yeah he was oh he was, could see and he could see and he could talk um but he eventually got his hearing back through the help of a doctor and uh somehow or another he became like uh he he was um like a person who had like uh uh i don't like special mental abilities so he said like he could uh he he had like he would diagnose people through the mail like medically um cuz he could like see their their issues their medical issues so he didn't have to like see them in person um okay. but he, but he also claimed to be able to tap into this uh this thing known as the Akashic Record, ah, which is basically like another I mean, future topic, another occultist type of thing, which is basically like everything in the universe has energy, right? Right. And everything broadcasts its energy. And that energy is like stored in like a giant record in the background of the universe. And this is called the Akashic Record. So it's basically everything that's ever happened in the universe. You could know if you could tap into the Akashic Record. And he... He can so Casey uh, allegedly could tap into the Akashic record. Gotcha. So he he um, suggested that uh, there was a, a store of records from Atlantis that are v- buried in a vault underneath the Sphinx in Egypt, and um, they did. You know, it's like like the Egyptian like antiquities um, people are like the Egyptian governments all over uh, the place now. Um, but nobody's ever found this thing even before the Egyptian government was really tightly controlling it. Um, but they've done some like, uh, uh, what do I want to say? Like ground penetrating radar and stuff. I know you're into that art. Um, and there's like, I think that they found like a little void underneath the Sphinx um, where there could have been something. And uh, I believe they sent a team. The Sphinx uh, is sphincter? It's a sphinxster. The Sphinxster. The Sphinxster. Uh, and they sent a team to like dig it Sphinxter. up, but then the, the Egyptian authorities came by right before they got to it. And so nobody's ever been allowed to go back there. And, like, oh, the site. so nobody really knows for sure if there's, if this mysterious void that was underneath the Sphinx has anything to do, but you know, Edgar Casey's suggestion is that underneath the Sphinx, there's this collection of records from Atlantis. That's interesting. It's interesting. Now that's a little something to bite onto. There's a little bit of meat left on this fish's bones, huh? <laughs> Your fish has not been. What did you say? Uh, pick clean. I picked to pick dry. <laughs> I said pick clean. Um, that's what I said. But I mean, that all sort of hinges on whether you think that Edgar Casey is uh, capable of such a a thing or not. Mm. But he's an interesting character for sure. Maybe we'll do an episode on him. Yeah, he's an interesting character. Um, uh, uh and and so there's. You know, the occult community is sort of, you know, embraced Atlantis as being like a source of of inspiration for, you know, what what civilization could be um, like Helena Blavatsky, um, like equated it to this lost continent uh, who's the name of which escapes me at the moment. But, um, you know, supposedly there were these like six iterations of humanity, like six races of humanity and the Atlanteans were like the fourth race or something. So they're like people descended now from the Atlanteans. The fifth are, was Chester Cheetah, the Cheeto yeah, Cheetah. Yeah. I don't understand how it all race goes. Of Cheetah Cheeto Cheetahs. It sounds, I mean, it's like there's there's a lot of that occultist stuff. So it's like, you know, they 
it's like, oh, it's part of the Aryan race or whatever. Yeah, it gets a little... It and gets a little bit of that racism. It gets a little, yeah, into the racism there. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, I can't, I can't say... I don't know too much about it, like, okay. to be honest. I haven't dug so deep into that. I got you. But, um, you know... Um, They've they've kind of latched onto it as this like thing, and you know, maybe there's uh, maybe there's something to it because you know, Art, when the library at Alexandria burned down, like uh, it had so many different manuscripts and books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, people feel like um, that probably set human civilization back like hundreds of years. Oh wow! Because there was so much so much collected wisdom uh, lost. You know, that was it was manuscripts and stuff that existed nowhere else. Wow. So maybe uh, there's a I mean Maybe there was an Atlantis manuscript that said, like, hey, by the way, <laughs> right. Atlantis was a real place. Right. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what we lost in the in the fire? Yeah, I mean I don't know if we're missing it much though. Yeah, I don't know either. Because there's no there's I mean, like, I don't I mean It's it's one of those things now where it's kind of like oh we would have just developed faster yeah but we probably are past the point where the Atlanteans were now you know what I mean yeah we find we find one of the manuscripts now and it's like hey guys by the way <laughs> by, by the way SARS is bad it's yeah. like oh geez throw this yeah. thing in the trash <laughs> we already fucking knew that like got a cure for it yeah guys guys. <laughs> We figured it out. You can build a structure that's more than one story tall. <laughs> Let me tell you how it's done. It's Let's like, ready know, dude. Burj Khalifa. Arches. <laughs> Arches, dude. This is where it is. Aqueducts, man. <laughs> What'd you say? Mia Khalifa? Yeah, that super tall building, Mia Khalifa. <laughs> the Mia Khalifa. Many a uh that's, Many a people have tried to scale the Mia Khalifa. That's one well-constructed building. <laughs> Good God. Um, Andy. Many a men laid a brick to, oh, for that one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Andy, speaking of Mia Khalifa. <laughs> Go ahead. What's your idea of your Atlantis paradise? If we had to go to and Andy-Lantis. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to be easier for you, Art-Lantis. Uh, yeah, well. What would be the features of Andy Lantis? And Lantis. And Lantis? Maybe that's better. The Garden of Andy. The Garden of Andy. What's in there? Lay it on me. What's on there? What happened before it sank? Um, Fucking sank. Sunk beneath the waves. Um, Wow. Um, I think that um, no no food would have anything other than good cholesterol. (laughs) (laughs) and that's the only difference oh my god (laughs) (laughs) nothing else (laughs) everyone wears fucking polos no I think if it was my garden there would be very few people allowed in (laughs) invite only (laughs) people aren't nude Mm -mm. Mm, maybe I don't know. I don't know the place. I think that place deserves a sink. <laughs> Sounds like it fucking sucks. Would people be nude in Atlantis? Maybe. I always said to myself as a joke um, that when I got really old, I would join a nudist colony just for the shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. I don't mind being nude. Um, you know, 
if it was if we lived in a warmer climate, a place that wasn't like where your uh, door hinges freeze in the in the winter, <laughs> uh, like they do here in Chicago, I would probably walk around more nude than I than than uh, I do currently. You know, I'm a little self conscious, I guess, being nude. Um, but I do think it you have feels, a child feels good to be nude, right? It doesn't feel bad. Um, and you know what? I like There's something to those nudists. I think some people are like okay being nude themselves, but they feel weird about seeing other people nude while they're nude. Yeah, and I don't know how I would if that would be weird for me or not. I think it would be a little weird because we like, always associate nude nudity with like sexuality, right? Like, yeah, I unless think so. you're showering. I mean, that's like the way that our we've constructed society. Sure, that, yeah, like nudity means like oh, there's something, either something bad or something erotic is going to happen because you're either in an emergency room or you're about <laughs> to get down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, but. I don't know how I'd function in a nudist colony. Yeah. Probably not well. Um, Most of the, you know, I don't think many of the people in nudist colonies are uh, the most appetizing. (laughs) Appetizing (laughs) for the eyes. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. I, it's like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, I, you know, it's like if I saw another person's naked body, I would probably be like looking at it too much. Like not not I don't want to make it sound like I'm le- <laughs> I, like it's gonna come off like I'm leering at people, but that's not what I mean. You're a voyeur. Like I would like you know you were like do you ever like imagine Andy like first day of the nudist colonies talking to somebody who's just like his head is tilted down staring right at the person's tits or their penis <laughs> just like uh uh yeah uh huh. But do you ever like do you ever like study the people that are on the train with you? Oh yes, yeah. So like, I feel like it would be kind of and the same thing. It's not like but a creepy thing. I think, it's just like, yeah, you just want to look at people. I don't know. I just am like interested in what what are people? Why wearing? does your like, chin look like? What that? are they doing? Like, why what are they up to? to? Yeah. Why is your What's nose their look, face look yeah. like? But I also find it weird why when I'm on the train and I'm left? aware that somebody's drawing me. Does that ever happen to you? What? You ever see somebody with like a sketch pad on the train and they just keep looking at you? Someone has drawn you on the train. I'm almost certain of it. <laughs> Like just a couple of weeks well, ago. Well, you were posing nude and having I mean, like a bowl of fruit. I was I was uh doing the yeah, I was doing like a uh <laughs> Napoleon pose. That's right. Uh I was completely nude. Captain Morgan. Um That's inc- that's crazy. That's never happened. There is a guy who sometimes um is on my train schedule, depending on if I'm running late or not, and I'll see him and he he uh, when he sits down on the one of the train lines, he'll pull out his sketch pad. And he'll just start sketching. I don't think he's sketching other people, though. Yeah, I saw. I was sitting next to a person who was, who was literally like looking at the doors of the train and sketching the people that were standing beside it. Oh, that's interesting. And I kind of feel like I feel weird about taking. Like sometimes I'll see something on the train. I'll think, oh, I should take a picture of this. But then I feel weird because it's like that person didn't give me the right to take their picture. That's true. Um, and I'm not like I'm doing it for my own personal use, so I'm not like mm-hmm. a sanctioned like photographer, like nobody has agreed to this. Um, so I think that that's kind of like an invasion of privacy in a, a little way. bit. And then it's like, well, is drawing people also an invasion of privacy? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. Cause it's an artistic interpretation. They're not necessarily drawing you in some realistic sense where they're going to be able to like, that's not a it's not a police yeah they, he might be doing like uh he might be studying just studying you for expression and for uh figure yeah just drawing your figure like your 
Because he's the curves of you or the curves of other people. Because he's as an artist, he hasn't drawn enough eggs, so he needs to draw my figure. Yeah, he he really wants to practice like uh, gumdrops. Yeah, (laughs) dots your head, dots the candy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Listeners, what do you think? Is drawing somebody an invasion of privacy? Probably the top topic related to Atlantis. Yeah, is is drawing someone a privacy? Let us know what you think. Is it right to draw somebody publicly? Versus take their photograph. What's the difference? Um, let us know what you think. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, Andy's uh, Andy's Atlantis sounds like a lame-ass place that deserves a sink. <laughs> There's no nudity. There's maybe nudity. I'm There's undecided. There's not a lot of nudity. people allowed in there. I That's that's a big plus for me. I mean, I can't believe you're allowing people into your Atlantis. Well, I kind of think it's a given. It's like a colony. Yeah. So it's part of the hypothesis. Oh, you part of our Socratic method. Here. Oh, you have to assume that other people will be allowed. Yeah, in. you're. It's the leader of your. Okay. Society. Well, if there's a lot of people, um, what other? Well, this is good. This is just like yeah. This is just like the Socratic dialogues. Where, what are our ideal states? What would it be? What would our paradise be? Um. All right. I think that um, there would be, um. Mm. mine is like an introvert's paradise everybody lives far away (laughs) or generally kind of near each other enough that we can keep each other safe but at the same time you got plenty of space very tall fences so no one can see into your so if you want to do weird shit in your backyard you can do weird shit in your backyard and not feel embarrassed (laughs) feel like we're uncovering some uh some issues old art has at home i'm just saying um Food, there's a Portillo's on every corner. <laughs> every corner. Uh, <laughs> cheese fries are free on Fridays. <laughs> um, you're not allowed to talk if you take an Uber. There's a, there's a public free free Ubering. I think, honestly, if we were going to talk about what's paradise, like it's honestly like, uh, like a communist paradise, right? Like no. at the end of the day? Where, I don't want to give up my stuff to anybody. Where, <laughs> yeah, but the, it's like it's that thing of like where you live in a paradise, so you don't need anything. Like you, you don't have want for anything. So if you if you need anything, you have it. Okay, okay, we gotta, we can't let you go too crazy. This is a you have to develop your own Atlantis colony. I have to do it by myself. It's not a fucking utopia. Yeah, oh. you gotta populate it. Oh well, then <laughs> it dies with me, I guess. Listeners, you might not know this, but Art knows this. I'm uh, genetically sterile, so. Oh, my God. Um, Amanda can populate it with her second husband. Azuspermia, spermia, right? Azuspermia, yeah. Yeah. A zoo with no animals. <laughs> okay, Andy, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't have a utopia. It's got to be <laughs> just. Well, wait, what are the, what's the exercise we're doing then? Was Atlantis considered a utopia? Well, that's the thing. Is Donnelly did, right? But Plato Donnelly, didn't. Donnelly certainly did. A lot of Renaissance writers romanticized it that way. And many more modern interpretations see it as like a, a utopian place. And I mean, Donnelly says it was probably the, you know, the, the inspiration for the Garden of Eden, for example. Um, but Plato in his book, it's like it's a it's a place that's that's rich with resources. Uh, there's wealth to be had. Um, you know, the people are advanced, uh, and strong and they have a great, 
It's mostly in the context, though, of their military power, which is very strong. And, you know, that's why they're, you know, when they go on this imperialist bent and start to try to take over the Mediterranean, um, they're the fact that they get repulsed by Athens is is sort of shocking. Like a David and Goliath. Right. It's a, it's a classic David and Goliath type of situation. Because Atlantis is a seemingly uh, overwhelming opponent. You know, their their military power is supposed to be so great that nobody should stand in their way. Listeners, let us know what your Atlantis is like. Yeah. Tweet at us or email us. The hashtag... Uh, my my Atlantis more is set. <laughs> <laughs> yes, listeners, if you can figure it out, tweet at us with the hashtag my Atlantis more is set. More is set. More is set. Uh, um. Hey, I want to mention too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to cover? Because we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping yeah, up. I guess soon, we're running but, out of time um, here. But yeah, I, you know, I was um, I. I want to just say the, uh, you know, we talked about getting cucked by a comet and um, the, the, the story in the Solomon Islands, which is pretty interesting, honestly. It is. Um, that story, um, I, I, I won't be able to say any of the names, do them justice, but I'm going to give you the, the general idea is that there's a guy. I won't judge you for it. There's a guy and he's married and he gets freaking cucked. His wife goes to an, another island. And starts to live with another man. So he gets um, he gets uh, four waves. He gets two attached to the front of his boat and two waves attached to the back of his boat. And he gets this uh, little plant. Um, and he takes the plant and he plants it on the island where his wife is cucking him. And her, and her, uh, her new man are cucking him. And... The story goes that when the plant, I think, blossoms, like that's when the waves get released and they hit the island. And so it's like the plant blossoms and then four the four waves hit it like it's like one, two, three, four, like the waves hit it all uh, and then it sinks into the ocean. So like that Patrick Nunn, the geologist, is saying that what they what they can see happening is that this island is like perched precariously on this like you know how the seabed is like yeah like there's a big shelf like it's a big drop off right and the island well, is like, like an underwater cliff yeah and the island is like right on the edge of the cliff and so what happens is there's an earthquake and it shakes the whole foundation of the island and the island slides off of the cliff and it just sinks because the seabed is gone completely there it's it's on a cliff and so the island just like sinks and then that 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 act of the island sinking causes the tsunamis to go out and so like because of the way that it sinks mm. there are like multiple like waves of tsunamis it's not just one big tsunami it's like there are several and so what they sort of think um is that this story in the mythology of the people of the Solomon Islands is based on an actual event of an island sinking um, but because they don't really understand that whole part of it being on the cliff under the sea, because they can't go down that far into the ocean. Right. Um, that in the way that people experienced it was like there were waves and then they found out the island had sunk. So it's like to them, the way they put it together is that 
there were these huge tsunamis that sunk oh. the island, even though it's like kind of the inverse is what's actually happening. Gotcha. That is interesting. Because they can't see all of it. Well. So there's at least some credence that a situation um, like Atlantis could have happened. I mean, obviously the Santorini thing, um, that was a huge volcanic eruption and it completely destroyed the island. The Minoan civilization was like completely destroyed by the the eruption of Thera. Hmm. And so a lot of people think that the Minoans might have been the the basis for the Atlanteans. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that there have been crazy natural disasters and that we've seen what a tsunami can do to a modern civilization. Yeah. Um when the most recent ones were in Indonesia, right? Yeah. Those were devastating. I mean, we we there was video of them. It was fucking nuts. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's crazy, you know, and um what they did to Fukushima as well was another one. That's a crazy one. In relation to Atlantis, Whew. there's some places in the uh, in the Iberian Peninsula in Spain that were like whole cities that were completely wiped out by tsunamis that people think could have been yeah. a location of Atlantis. So, you know, like, why does it always, you know, does it have to be that the entire island sank or does it have to be that their entire civilization was washed away yeah. by a fucking tsunami? Well, that's the thing. Makes I mean, sense to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like if tsunamis are destroying modern day civilizations, if, you if, know, if Plato's using it as a device and it's not like you don't take it literally, I right. mean, it doesn't have to be a, that an island sank. It could just be that, you know, his inspiration could have come from just any place that got destroyed by tsunamis True. or an earthquake. Um, Andy, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything else that you want to touch on with the lost civilization of Atlantis before we get to our reviews and our ratings? Um, anything else you want to bring up? Um, you know, folks, just... You know what, folks? If you're in a relationship that's not working, you need to sit down and talk with your partner and not go off and cuck them so that they cause an entire civilization to sink, okay? I'm just saying... Just talk it out. Folks, if you're you, not happy, let them know. End it amicably. Don't cuck. Folks, unless you're really into cucking, we're not go here to, cuck. we're not We're not here to kink shame you. If cucking is your thing and you and your partner are both okay with it, do it. Have fun with it. If you're using cucking as an act of aggression against another Be person, safe. stop and think. Stop is this before the right you thing cuck. To do? Yeah. Cuck. <laughs> C. Console you. Wait, see, uh, consult. I'm, I'm acting like cuck is dare. Yeah. See, consult you. It's Y-O, big U-R. <laughs> uh, another C, companion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kindly. Uh, kind, yeah. <laughs> consult your companion kindly. Cuck. cuck. We should all cuck each other, okay? <laughs> we should all be cucking each other. Let's all practice cuck. Let's all be good Students of Cuck. She's like, we were all good students of D.A.R.E., the number one anti-drug program that totally worked. I've never done drugs. <laughs> and I am one. Yeah. I'm a drug. Um, I'm addicted to you. Because I'm addicted to you. I'm a dick. Addicted dick. to you. That was the song. That's Yeah, you got the melody right. What was that, like LFO or something? I, I was going to say fucking Death Leopard. <laughs> Death Leopard? I don't think that's right. <laughs> Another good simple plan? Oh, that might be it. If it was... Wait, what? Avicii? 
No, it was simple plan. Yeah. I'm a dick. I'm addicted to you. Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous was good, Charlotte. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Lifestyles. What, Avicii covered it? Must have. Is Avicii the guy that died? Yes. Tragically, actually. Uh, yeah. There's. Uh, it's a very sad story. He uh, He went, he really like, I don't know deteriorated towards the end and um all the touring the crazy non-stop touring i think really affected him combined with you know a not healthy lifestyle mm. of partying he didn't practice dare no <laughs> did he practice cuck i don't know if he practiced cuck he definitely didn't practice dare maybe if he would have dared to practice cuck he would have listeners dare to practice dare to cuck dare to cuck we here at mr bunker's conspiracy time podcast dare you to cuck we are proud cucks. <laughs> Here on Soul Your Companion Kindly, cuck. Cuck. Cuck one another. We've we've every time we do something here, we cuck each other. <laughs> Andy, let's give our verdicts. Let's cuck our listeners let's... and uh give them what they want. Let's give our verdicts. Please uh, be my guest. All right, I'll begin. Um so Atlantis, uh, I guess. Um, what do we What do we think? Um, I guess the 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 biggest question is, was it even a real thing? Um, right? Was it real? Was Atlantis real? Um, I'm going to give that plausible minus. Wow! And I'll tell you why, Art, because okay. I think that there's probably some historical. Um, inspiration for Atlantis, but I don't think that Atlantis itself, as it's been imagined over the years, was actually a real place, that there was this advanced race of hmm. um, superhumans or demigods that lived somewhere that was completely destroyed by catastrophe. Hmm. Um, but I do think that there's probably some good possibility that there was historical inspiration for it, but I don't think that it existed in the way that um, people have portrayed it now. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't find it so compelling. Okay. Fair enough. Um, remind me again of your score. Plausible minus. Okay. Uh, Andy, I think I'm, uh, I'm in. Thanks for cucking me before you started. (laughs) Um, I am. I am on Atlantis with you on this one. Wow. And we're sinking together. We're going down together. Um, I think, did Atlantis exist? Sure. Plausible minus as a literally metaphor. Sure. Uh, it was probably some civilization that, yeah, like, it was probably some oral history story that people told for a long time about this great civilization that, well, see, this is why you got to practice hubris because you can get beat. It's like a David and Goliath story. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to go as far to say, like, for all the conspiracy about it, case closed. Wow. It's a literary agent. Wow. Did it exist? Maybe. I don't know. It was a literary agent. That's Wow. That's it. There's nothing crazy going on. You heard it here first, folks. Art's cucking you with uh, his verdict here today. Atlantis. Just a literary device. Just a literary device. That's all I'm saying. Um, Listeners... Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Andy, any last remarks you want to say to the listeners before we head out? Um, Besides, you know, dare to cook. Dare to cook. Um, 
enjoy the live action Little Mermaid that is almost certainly in the works with Disney. <laughs> maybe the, maybe we'll see some Atlantis there. Maybe is that where she's will. from? Mm, I don't. She's just from Mermaid City. Yeah, Mermaidville, USA. Mermaidville. Oh, she's not in the USA. No, it's part of the USA. Is it? We claimed it. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Um. Well, listeners, uh, I hope you enjoyed our delicious excursion to the lost colony, lost civilization of Atlantis. Um, for the titular Mister Bunker and my Delphic, wow, co-host Andy Hart. I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Yummy. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.